0: Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, mom to Skylar, my incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast five years ago was that the content of each episode brings hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I sincerely hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, welcome to my life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, welcome to my life, underscore Lori Hellman. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes or Audible, please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season five of Living the Sky Life. Hi everybody! Thank you so much for tuning in for the new season of Living the Sky Life. I'm so excited to bring you season five. I cannot believe that it has been four full years, and I'm starting my fifth year of this podcast. We're going to start things off a little bit different with season five. I really wanted to focus on some series that I get a lot of questions about. The first one that I'm going to bring you um, for the next several weeks is about aging out and the services around the country and things that other parents who are now experiencing uh, the aging out process with their adult children, uh, they are going to bring what they are doing, what they are thinking of doing, and everything in between. So uh, my first guest on the podcast for season five is Karen South. Karen hails in Mount Sterling, Kentucky. And Karen has worked in the healthcare industry her entire life, starting with her first job in the kitchen of a nursing home at age 15 to being a dental tech, where she was serving in the Navy, to being an EMT, nursing assistant, and a radiation therapist. After graduating from the University of Cincinnati, Karen worked many years with teenagers that were in state's custody, living in a residential facility. She says all of these roles prepared her for her favorite role, which is being a mom to four children. Now that Karen's children are adults, she spends most of her time caring for her 23-year-old son, David, who has autism, and is unable to live independently. He requires a great deal of support and 24-7 supervision. As David was preparing to age out of public school, Karen realized the lack of resources that are available for adults living with autism or other disabilities. This realization prompted Karen to go back to school to become a therapeutic adaptive fitness instructor and start a company called The Learning Curve of Kentucky. Her new company strives to provide individuals of all abilities with a support training encouragement and opportunities they need to have fulfilling careers hobbies and social activities so please enjoy this season five opener of living the sky life welcome back to another episode of living the sky life um i am excited to be back first of all on the podcast after a summer hiatus and um, i'm really excited to do this first series back about aging out of the system. I get asked so many times about my plans for Skyler and what we're going to do, um, that he's a year away from aging out. So I'm trying to have uh, guests who also have older children on the spectrum or organizations um, that deal with housing and aging out of uh, statewide systems on these episodes so that we can provide as much help and um, questions answered as everybody has. So my guest today is Karen South. She lives in uh, Mount Sterling, Kentucky, and we had the pleasure of being introduced in a roundabout way. It's so crazy how how small the world really is. Um, One of her son's caregivers um, knows someone that works for my husband and long story short, they, they said you two need to meet. So we absolutely did. And it's been blissful ever since. So Karen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and it was such a great way that we met, and uh, that first conversation was felt, you know, we just talked at lunch like we'd known each other our whole lives. So. Yeah, our sons
0: are very similar, other very than age similar. and size. Your son is very yeah, tall. He's a big <laughs> and boy. Yeah. Not.
1: <laughs> so, um,
0: I guess you know, I would love for people to know a little bit about your family. Your son David, who is twenty three, can you tell us a little bit about him? Maybe growing up, and then kind of what he is like as an
1: adult now. Sure, yeah. So yeah, David is my second of four children. Um, So my oldest daughter's 25 and David's 23. And I have a 22-year-old daughter and a 20-year-old son. So they're just stair steps one right after the other. Um, And the middle daughter is just 13 months younger than David. But of course, he's developmentally delayed. So they kind of grew up as twins and they're still very close. And it's a beautiful thing um but yeah David was diagnosed at 22 months um I had no idea what autism was when my pediatrician said I'm gonna refer him for you know an evaluation for autism I thought okay and I not only that we were just at his 18-month checkup I didn't even notice anything I thought he was just a baby <laughs> you know, he was, mm-hmm. and apparently what she noticed was tippy-toe walking all over the exam room during that 18-month which again, that, that would not have been an alarm to me. Um, and he didn't have words or anything, but you know, all kids do things differently. So I said, okay, whatever. And that's then I started reading back then, was. that she yes. was so attuned to it. Wow. Absolutely. It is surprising. Yeah. And then when I started researching, you know, again, 23 years ago, autism doesn't like to be touched. Autism doesn't like that's, that's all I could. And I thought she is crazy. Like he's the cuddliest baby I've ever known (laughs) loves to cuddle. And my oldest daughter, she was kind of a touch me not. In fact, you know, she would fall asleep in my arms. And if I didn't put her down, she would start squirming and wake back up. Like I had to put her down for to sleep peacefully. Now David as a baby, you know, it's my dream just to lay back holding that baby all the time. And he loved it. So, you know, I was like, well, she's completely wrong. There's no way this boy has autism. Um, and that was, um, Oh, I want to say that appointment was probably like in October and then by December we had a family Christmas and this was the first time I noticed, again, I had also been researching what autism even was in that time, but that that Christmas after she had referred him um, was big at, at at his dad's family, huge family, lots of people, and David kept disappearing he kept walking into a bedroom where there wasn't anyone. And then it was time to open presents. And I'm like, hey, time to open presents. You know, here, David, come up. And he would get up and walk away. He wasn't interested in the presents. He wasn't looking at anyone. He, he just kept disappearing. And um, that's when it clicked in my head, like, oh, this might be real. There's something to this. And then the last time I followed him in the bedroom, he had found one of those big pink erasers. And he was just like, you know, just pacing it back and forth following it with his eyes, um, just staring at the eraser. And I thought, yeah, there's definitely something to this and never did get him to open his Christmas gifts. He just wasn't interested. And so then February, that following February was when we went to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And um, again, I had read, it usually takes months, sometimes years to get a diagnosis, like just be patient, keep going back. And we went in and (laughs) The doc, Dr. Manning, who actually just retired. She's lovely. Uh, we were in there about 10 minutes and she said, yes, he definitely has autism. So I thought, wait, what happened to the weeks, weeks to months for diagnosis, you know? <laughs> so, and then she told me about, you know, very, very few options, of course, you know, OT, PT, speech, mm-hmm. um, and ABA. And, uh, you know, so then we just started on with the appointments and it was Early diagnosis, early I mean early intervention. You have to get that early intervention, get him in right now, get an ABA. Well, that was not covered by insurance at that right. time. But I was, you know, it was if he doesn't do by AJ he's not gonna do it. But mm-hmm. I've heard that so many times. And so we did every I I did everything I could do. We he did get full time ABA for three years, which was sixty thousand dollars a year that was out of pocket that we we did not have, I mean, looking back, <laughs> it was just a gift from God. Like looking back, even now, I would say there's no way we could have, there's no way we could have come up with that money, but it just, it just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I did fundraisers. I did whatever I had to do and, and we got it done. Now, again, it was early for ABA even. So in hindsight, it wasn't the greatest ABA, like some of the people that were doing it. It wasn't great for him, um, But it was something, you know, I was doing something for him and he was getting OT and speech and all that at the same time. But, you know, now he's 23 and I finally, I wish kind of my message to parents that young is yes, early intervention is absolutely crucial, but also just relax, like just raise your child. You know, he, it is not life or death. You're going to help him whether it's at age three or 13 you know, whatever you do will help or it won't. And then you'll try something else, you know, but it's like that pressure I put on myself for the first eight years of his life was just constant. Like, I don't, I never thought of anything else. It was what, you know, what can I do to help him? Mm -hmm. And again, with no money and on a personal note, a marriage that was in the gutter Mm -hmm. right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, it was a bad, bad time. And again, in, in hindsight, I wish I had just relaxed and enjoyed my children more when they were so young um, and let them enjoy childhood more, you know, yeah. I, I'm David's whole life was being drugged from therapy to therapy, and again, 23 years ago to me it doesn't seem like that long ago, but autism was still relatively new, I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't new, obviously, we're going to later talk about Temple Grandin, she's 76 years old, and she was diagnosed with autism, but as far as it being so common, I mean, the incident rate, that's right when it jumped up about 20 years ago from, it was like one in 700 and went to one to 150 or something yep. in that time frame. So, um, you know, and also now I'm inside that my son is 23, literally every single thing he has done has been after age eight. So that statistic is not true. You know, right. he didn't his first words till he was 16 well he did have words when he was younger and lost them they disappeared from like age three to 16 and then at age 16 is when he started using words um toilet training still is not anywhere close to complete i mean he will pee in the toilet when i tell him to david go on in the bathroom to pee he'll walk right in there and pee but if i'm busy and don't tell him to he just goes in stands like yeah. It's like he doesn't—he doesn't have that feeling. But if I tell him to, he can kind of make himself concentrate on that feeling and go. But mm-hmm. if I forget, he doesn't. And then the other, you know, bowel
0: movements—never.
1: He—he won't consider sitting on the toilet. Like it just is something so difficult for him. Um, but again, that was well after age eight that that happened. Right. Um, and, and the communication—he spells. You know, he'll spell words to me now again well after age eight so I just wish we could just you know and and I don't say like enjoy I did enjoy him I you know I I think I was made to be a mom that's that's what I'm here for I love being a mom and um so it wasn't like pressure pressure no enjoyment but I mean just to relax just to just to be who I naturally am which is really laid back anyhow rather than constantly every night researching what can we do what can we do You know, because it's going to happen when it happens. And as long as you're doing something to help, you're doing the right thing, you know? It's it's
0: hard to not get out of that fix-it mode. Like, I was the same way, obviously. I thought, I I just listened to everything people told me at the time. And it was hurry him up, catch him up to his peers. If you don't, you know, I don't even remember if it was age eight. I feel like for me, it was age 10 or something. And the the age always changes. But I do feel like it's our obligation, whether parents listening with young kids want to listen to our thoughts or not, or <laughs> use them. But, um, I do feel obligated to tell people those things because I'm on the other side of it. I'm in the adult yeah. years now. And like you, I, I just feel like I, it was a full-time job for Skylar. I have commented before it was a ro- revolving door of therapists coming in and out of our house and the yeah. poor kid couldn't just be a kid. And right. again, like you, I have learned so much from watching him he does things his own way and instead of trying to force him to do it the same way my other daughter does it or the way we quote unquote, normally do things, right. speaking, mm-hmm. holding his fork, even whatever it is, if just letting him lead, it would have been a calmer situation all around. I think right. I got extra anxious and extra stressed because I was trying so hard to fit him into this mold of normalcy that mm-hmm. everybody else. And he was. Butting heads with me because he's like, I can't do it that way. I don't, I'm not wired like that. I don't want to do it like that. (laughs) So quit forcing me. And it just, we wasted time, I feel like, because if I hadn't tried to get him to do things that way, he might have shown me that he could do it this way and we'd be right in a different space. But that's the beauty of hindsight, I
1: guess. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So has David always had, I just know from our conversations in the past that he loves his dvd collection and things like that has that been something that's evolved over the years has it always been dvds has he always been fixated
1: on one thing and just kind of it's been it started with vhs because my older daughter who again is 25 she um when she was a baby you know disney would re-release from the disney vault their vhs tapes the first tuesday of every month you know two or three would get re-released and that was our thing we would run to target or walmart or wherever and get you know the new release of the disney movie so by the time he came along she had a collection of you know 10 or 15 disney VHS and i don't remember specifically the day like he picked them up and started being fixated on them but whenever it started that's all there is like still to this day now the collection is i've seen
0: your collection out. i mean it's
1: massive it's it is a wall massive. in a room yeah <laughs> and we still have oh it's a wall in several rooms yeah we we still like we don't have space for them and i still my husband and i both were like we just have to quit buying these meat because he'll buy the same ones over and over but i just can't stop because first of all it's the only thing that he enjoys one of two few things that he enjoys and he takes great care of them. You know, he puts them away, keeps them in their cases, and he just loves them. I don't understand why. Because he doesn't really even watch them. It's just about the collection. Like he'll put them in and he'll forward fast to a particular scene, or he'll watch the previews and then he'll take it out. We put it back in its case and put it away. Just making sure it still works.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. still it's still good. <laughs>
1: right. So sometimes he's hilarious because like my room has his DVD collection. His room has his VHS collection. Oh, Sometimes what he'll do. And then in a little office off the kitchen is where his computer is. So what he'll do sometimes is he'll go in his room and go to a particular scene on VHS. And then he'll run to his computer and get that scene on YouTube and run to my room and get that scene on DVD. And he'll like, it's like fun. He laughs the whole time and he'll run. Creative yeah on the same movie and yeah and he knows like the like again disney re-released their movies every so years every so many years so on the vhs and the dvds you can have two movies that look identical but when you put them in the previews are different and he knows- that's what he's
0: checking yeah that's what he's checking yeah
1: so and he'll check cool. the same year and it's just remarkable that he knows that mm-hmm. and that again he has thousands of dvds and vhs and he knows right where they are they're not right they appear to be in an order to me um but they're in he knows where they are so he either i think he just has this like photographic memory where he literally you know pictures it he thinks in pictures like like temple talks about he he sees the picture of that shell so he knows right where to go and he'll know if you remove them so if you start
0: dwindling the the cases down from three of the same movie to one he will lose it probably Right?
1: yes he did and he definitely knows and one time um he was looking for a movie and again he now will spell to me some things not like we can't have conversation i can't say did you have a good day or what you do today but what do you want to do or what do you want he will type that to me sometimes that's good yeah that's huge so one time it was um mickey's once upon a christmas he wanted that well he has at least 20 of those so i'm like it's right here it's right here and he was getting more and more upset you know no 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 and then he finally typed um 25th edition or something like it was the 25th anniversary and there was a little thing on top and that's what it was and i was like david i can't like we searched and searched i couldn't find it and he couldn't find it which is surprising because he knows where they all are so of course he was getting so so upset And then finally, I was like, David, I just can't find it. I'm. This is literally two hours later, and finally, he typed on my phone, car, and I went out. Sure enough, he like we had purchased it that day, and it slipped under the seat, so it was in the car, and it was that it just had that little 25th anniversary on it. But you know, we think sometimes when he buys, I'm like, he's not even paying attention to what he has, but clearly, he is. So to just stop that, I just can't do that. Like, oh, of course. our home is starting to look like a hoarder. Like we have movies everywhere. It's like a blockbuster. <laughs> yes, but it brings him so much happiness. Yeah. And it's more than just happiness. Like it's it's an organizational skill somehow. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but but it's there. And he loves them. And you know now they cost like 99 cents each. So those are the, you know, it, call
0: it quirky or not, but those are the things with him, just that example of him typing that out and then knowing it was in the car That's what gets me so like fired up and excited about Skylar and his spelling and whatever, because for so long they're underestimated because they don't, you know, do so many things like toileting and Skylar and all that stuff. People just assume they're like a five-year-old and they don't really understand what's going on around them. And that just is my huge motivation to continue to tell people about typing, spelling, whatever method works that they'll show you how they want to communicate because he's clearly paying attention and he's in there. Yes,
1: That's yeah. my big thing too, is, is try everything. I mean, everything within, you know, some of right. the things that people have tried that are, you know, dangerous to any human, obviously don't try those, but anything else, like that's been my my kind of my things that irritate me about the autism community are a couple of things. One, like the awareness versus acceptance argument and, you know, puzzle piece versus infinity sign or whatever. The the things that don't matter. Right. My message (laughs) wants to be, let people do what they want. If you, because the truth is we feel like we don't need autism acceptance anymore. I mean, awareness anymore because it's everywhere. But it isn't. I mean, if you when you go to awareness events, whether it's autism or breast cancer or whatever, who's there? Everybody who's already aware of that Right. Thing. And you it's, know, yeah, it's or, it. yeah, right. Or mm-hmm. professionals. So then you take your kid out into the real world and the real world, meaning a hospital or a school. And the awareness is not there. It's there right. with a few staff. But um, David and I just this year, had a horrific experience at the hospital because they weren't aware. They had no idea how to talk to him. So they just didn't, he's nonverbal, so they didn't speak to him at all. They spoke over him to me. And one of the things they spoke about was (laughs) anytime he has to be put to sleep for dental work or anything else, I, it's always like in the back of my head, I'm thinking, just bring in the tranquilizer gun because it yeah. takes so much to knock this kid out. Skyler,
0: too, I tell him, you can't give him a dose based on his weight. Trust me, you're going to need to double that. Right. He'll
1: laugh and at then, you. So they have the little versatile, you know, and they get him to yep. drink that. And you really need to get him to sit down. Like he's, you really need to get to sit down. Yeah, I'll get on that. It's probably going to sit down, but I'm like, it's not going to, it's not going to matter. So this nurse said six times, six different times, she said to me, well, if that doesn't work, what's going to happen is a nurse will sneak in here. She'll sneak behind him and give him a ketamine dart in the arm, a shot in front out. of him, right next to me. <laughs> and so then every time, every time anyone walked into the room, he's throwing his hands up in defense yeah. because he knows someone's about to sneak behind him because he's not deaf or stupid. He heard what she said. Oh and God. that's how I would react if somebody was going to sneak in behind me and give me a dart in the arm. Yeah. It's just uh-huh. ridiculous. So, so that's a perfect example of awareness. They needed awareness, you know, yeah. of how to talk to someone, tell him, look, we have to make you sleepy for this procedure. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a shot. Now he's still not going to like hearing that he has to get a shot, but it's a lot better than hearing somebody's going to sneak up behind you and give you a dart in the arm, yeah. Yeah. you know, just be honest and truthful with these people. So like that's my story about awareness. And then I have another medical story about um, acceptance, like, like, so in that event, they clearly weren't aware. Another time David had broken a a bone. We never did really figure out what it was, but he woke up one morning and he couldn't walk. Like he just could not put any weight at all on his foot. So we went to the emergency room, which was a nightmare. They took all these x-rays, did all this stuff. And they said, well, we can't find anything wrong. If it's not better in two weeks, bring him back. I said, two weeks, he's 220 pounds and he can't walk. Like, what am I supposed to do with him for two weeks? And he said, completely serious. He looks me now and says, do you want me to write him a prescription for crutches? Uh, no, <laughs> no, thank you. He'll beat me to death. So crutches, like, yeah. no, I don't want that. What? So I said, well, can I at least borrow a wheelchair to get him to the car? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. you can do that. So I borrowed a wheelchair to get him to the car. And then we're racking our brains. And my husband has a good friends that Uh, Is a um, orthopedic surgeon, which we hadn't thought about. I was like, let's just take him to the gym. So we did. And he couldn't find anything wrong either, but he just put him in a boot. He said it must be a stress fracture from him having a meltdown one day or something. Put him in a boot and he was able to walk out of there. But this is where his office was very aware and they Mm -hmm. wanted to be so helpful. And they're taking him in for x rays. So they had the awareness. I mean, I'm sorry, they had the acceptance too, but they, like, I'm getting my story wrong. So the first one didn't have the acceptance. They uh-huh. were just kind of mean and talking over and, over. and this one, they had the acceptance, they were loving, and they, but the whole staff like rushed into the yeah. extra room and they were trying, they all wanted to help so desperately. So they didn't have the awareness. Like mm-hmm. they had the acceptance, but they didn't have the awareness that, hey, we need to back up and let one person handle this. Right. So we need both. Is my story like right. we need acceptance. and we still do need the awareness outside of the autism community. People don't have it. Like we feel like it's everywhere, but it right. Isn't. Well, We're and going. it's hard
0: because we as advocates, mm-hmm. I, I used to not say like in your um or your example, the first example with the blood draw or the sedation medicine. Um, you know, normally we always say to Skylar, he has to actually give blood this weekend. Um. And we will tell him like, we're just going, you know, where we always go to the hospital. Those ladies are great. They're gonna draw some blood just to check your levels of medicine and whatever. Um, and then we won't be here very long. You've been through this so many times, you know exactly what they're gonna do. And we tell them all the things. But if that had happened to me now in the last four or five years, I've really gotten stronger with my voice. I would have a- kind of asked that particular nurse to step out in the hall with me. And I would have explained, listen, he may look like he's not paying attention. I can promise you, he knows everything that you're saying. And he just heard you say that. And so now he's even more fearful. What you need to do is presume confidence with people when they come in, and, you know, and give the whole spiel, because I guess the more that we just kind of look past it and roll our eyes, which is what I always used to do and get frustrated mm-hmm. with those people and not say anything. they'll mm-hmm. they'll never learn. They're going to do it to the very next person that comes in. Right. It's, it's hard because I don't want to be seen as a Karen sorry no offense to your name
1: <laughs> <I know. laughs> but you know the, the social media right.
0: Karen version and I just don't want people thinking I'm confrontational and I'm you don't have to be that way it's just an education I don't have to have yeah, a right. tone I don't have to be rude I just can right. educate them that Skylar is not unlike many people like him who are nonverbal. Yes. that they I totally understand. It's just so, anyway. a great
1: idea. Like from now on, I'm going to, I'm going to have David wear a t-shirt that says presumed complex. Compl-
0: Compl- <laughs> yeah. I, should great idea. I say I'm it all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I should. Well, <laughs> that's so, what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I guess kind of along those lines too. And now that he has quote unquote, aged out of services, was he in a program that ended like a specific education program, ABA program or was it just his services and the things that he needed that ended at 22 for him?
1: He was in public school. Okay. So he could have stayed in public school. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, he could have stayed in public school until age 21. Things at his particular school were not going well that last couple of years. So I ended up taking him out at age 18. Okay. <clears throat> and um, turned out that was the best thing I could have done because... Shortly after that was COVID shutdowns,
0: oh, and yes, I was able right.
1: to take him out gradually. So uh, we went to where he was just going two hours a day, and then, and then you know, gradually eased him out. So <clears throat> that was a huge benefit with COVID, you know, right around the corner of that. Of course, I didn't know it was going to happen. Um, but yeah, so either way, whether it had been 18 or 21, he would have aged out of public school. Um, and then there is nothing for him. Um, there are, there are several day treatment centers in the area. Uh, I applied to every one of them because I want him to be peers because also he's bored with me. You know, we, we go to Goodwill and McDonald's every day. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, he gets his movies and then we go home. And of course I still do a lot of things, you know, I still have a, a swing in my basement, and I—I I mean, my garage. I swing him, and uh, you know, we do some exercises and things. But still, everyone needs someone more than their mom, you know. Absolutely, um, a friend would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so I really wanted him with peers. I applied to all the day treatment centers. Um, one of all of them accepted him, and uh, I toured that one. And every single person there was over the age of sixty. And in most of them, in wheelchairs, and um, it would have been a nightmare. David would have absolutely terrified those people because he's very loud. He yells loudly. He'll pound his chest. He stomps his feet heavily. It would have been a terrible fit for everyone. And then, so you know, then I imagine staff would, you know, try to simmer him down a little bit to not scare the the other the other attendees. And it was not. It was just not going to be a good fit at all. The other is all uh, turned him down because he has a history of aggression and mm-hmm. he's not good. I hear that. So with those two things, um, yeah. and the thing is, you know, it's easy for me to say his aggression has decreased tremendously, which it has. Age um, age 17 to 21 was brutal. I'm brutal. Um, but now his aggression is, has decreased significantly. But I still imagine... Going into a new environment, a new routine, some of that aggression, more than likely, is going to come back for a little while. So, like they're going to have to know how to work through that and then, and then see, you know, the more positive parts of David's personality, which there are tons of, but getting past that aggression of a 250-pound man is difficult. You know, I understand that. But the problem is there has to be somewhere for him. You know, as you and I have talked about, I, I'm not going to live forever. That There okay. has to be some place for him. And mm-hmm. I have not found anything. Right. I have not found that.
0: When you were filling out um, the forms, whether there's wait lists or, or just, you know, to get him into some of those day programs, um, what were the, what was the application process like? Obviously you had to clarify on there that he's not toilet trained and that. He maybe has aggressive behaviors where you asked to describe them so that they could determine. I just hear this a lot that not even the toilet training, which would be our issue too, but um, the word aggression it has takes on all different meanings. And so when people see the word, they automatically think like they're punching walls, they're punching people, that they're just violent. Um, and so I always hesitate to use the word aggression when I'm describing Skylar because he, it's mostly self-injurious. Like he slaps his leg and a lot, mm-hmm. 90% of his is Crohn's related. It's his belly's upset and he's just so frustrated. He doesn't know how to explain to us that he is in pain. Um, and if he slaps me, which I talk about, him slapping me all the time. It's an open hand. Like he hits me on the arm while he's eating. And it's like just repetitive. And it annoys me more than, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it's just right. annoying to be hit all day long. Right. But other than that, he doesn't hurt other people. He doesn't, you know, punch things. I mean, he's five, four, he's 130 pounds. He's a tiny little thing. So, but I don't want to be dishonest and say he, he doesn't have any aggressive behaviors because then if they did take him and the toileting was an issue, they'd say, uh, you did not, you were not honest. You did not yes. reveal. He pulled a staff member's hair today or whatever, because like David and many people, when Skylar gets in an environment for the very first time, it could be a new doctor. It was the horse riding. We went to the barn. He has bowel movements and open anxiety. He reached for the lady that owns the horse barn. He reached for her hair. When she went up to him to say hi, he lunged right at her because he's so scared about what's about to happen to him that his anxiety. And that's when you see that come out. But it only takes two or three, four to five at the most times going back to these places he never has another bowel movement he doesn't touch anybody he high fives them he knows it's he's safe and it's okay so all that to say like what was the requirement for you to to um be transparent about i guess with david
1: right well and they do ask that on applications to describe the aggression okay so david thankfully has never been aggressive with peers his aggression is always towards um, an authority figure. So whoever, um, you know, you can kind of say, like some people see it as though whoever tells him no. So then you get the, oh, he's just spoiled, you know, (laughs) which it's not whoever tells him no, it's it's whoever isn't understanding him, You, you know? And so in some cases it is like, he, we had a case where one time he wanted to go somewhere and he was communicating shoes to me every way he knew how. He was like signing shoes. He was spelling shoes. He was verbalizing shoes, um, which I understood as shoes. It's not like other people that don't know and wouldn't have understood. That's what it was. But I knew that's what he was saying. And in that case, the answer was just no. But in his head, it was that I wasn't understanding And so that's why, because he just couldn't believe the answer would be no to that question at that time. So that's when he keeps escalating. So each way he would ask, which again, to me, it was a beautiful thing. Like look at him trying to communicate, look at, but it was something he wanted to do so badly that he couldn't accept that. How could the answer possibly be no to that? You know, so he kept trying different ways, different ways, but that's kind of off off your subject. But so, yeah, they do ask on the applications to describe what's going to trigger the aggression. What's the aggression going to look like now for David, the aggression, um, can look like punching things. Um, mm-hmm. it will, it, it's, it's often stomping, which part, a lot of that is just how he walks. It's a vestibular issue where, you know, he just, he just stomps. But with aggression or with anxiety, he will sometimes jump and stop. And again, his actions are, are very toddler-like, yes. the same way you see a toddler stomp. Um, but again, he's a 250-pound man, right. so it rattles the whole building. Um,
0: That's the first and- thing I thought of with your shoe analogy, is that it's just like a little kid you know, saying, I wanted this. And you're like, no, I want it. And they just keep up their, you know, whining and their tantrums, but But our kids can't negotiate with us and continue. He's just going to keep asking you the same way. Like, but I don't understand why I, this is what I want. Give it to me. (laughs) So that's exactly it. And that's fair.
1: If he he understood the word why, which I would love, like Mm -hmm. imagine if I could, if he could answer why to me, that would be (laughs) beautiful because why like, for example, right now we have an issue. My air conditioner is not working in my car. So I've been driving my husband's truck. Well, that is against his rules. He doesn't like the car is mine. The truck is my husband's. He does not want to ride with me in the truck. So I'll say, we're taking the truck. And he'll say, car, he'll grab my car keys, car, car. I say no, the car is broken. We're not taking the car. So it's a big ordeal because he's he's driven to go. He wants to go out somewhere every day, but he doesn't want me driving that truck. Could also be, I'm not great at driving a truck, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he doesn't want to do that. So he'll keep again, just like our other kids would be, well, that's okay, mom. I don't care if the air conditioner's broken. We'll just drive like other kids would, would walk through that. Right. He can't do that. So he'll just say the same thing over and over and over. And again, I believe with everything in me, it's not him demanding to have his way as much as just baffled, but I can't understand what he's saying. Right. Like he feels like he's trying so hard to clearly communicate this and he can't figure out another way to communicate where I'll get it. So he I said, started now saying to him, yeah. I understand what you want. I right. understand you really want to take the car, but we cannot. The answer is no to that. And, and finally he will get that. Now, three years ago, that conversation would not have happened without me getting punched four or five times mm. like now now we can get through the conversation usually with some stomps and then once we're out and about he's fine he he realizes it's getting him where he needs to go and it really is okay if I drive a different vehicle you know but you know he does just like that routine and when it's off, it throws the you know it starts the mm-hmm. whole bail um so, yeah, again, we do. And, and I get it as a director of a day program and you've got a waiting list anyhow, you know, am I going to put my staff through that? Am, am I going to put my staff through 250 right. man, punch, you know, punching that. And it breaks my heart because David is, you know, you hate to even describe your child like that. Cause he that's is, not
0: all that they are all right, the time. It's right. rare occurrences. Is, yeah. Oh,
1: so love Yeah. That's exactly right. It's, it's, for three or four percent of his life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But again, with him being so big and so strong, that's that's the part a lot of people remember, you know, most of his life, he's giggly and laughing and loving and kisses me probably 75 times a day. I mean, he's just the love of my life. Sweet. I mean, just love I just I just can't get enough of him, you know? Yeah. Um, but that hitting hurts. And yeah, you know, it has been, it has been the the thing that has motivated me for every new thing I've tried. Like we went through a phase of him severely hitting me and I'm all night Googling. What can I do at that time? I was like, you know, maybe it's because he can't communicate. And that's when I found the spelling program, which we went to a different one than you did. But, um, but we, we took him to that program and it was brutal. I was brutal. He, he broke my husband's nose. He hit, but my husband broke his nose. He, <laughs> he had. He does this thing when he, when I'm really not bending in his mind, like he wanted to leave the therapy and I wasn't doing that. And when hitting doesn't work, he'll do this thing where I, like try to snatch my glasses off my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that repeatedly. So my nose was so swollen. I could not wear my glasses. I mean, we came home, my husband and I came home looking it's like, like, what in
0: the hell me. did you sign up for? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. And that was so discouraging to me because I just knew I had it in my head. I had prayed through it. I just knew that was the thing I knew I was going to take David there and I was going to come back with a perfectly calm child that could <laughs> communicate exactly like my other kids communicate. And I just knew it. I had it, I had it so built up in my brain that that's what was going to happen. So then that drive home, cause he won't, he, I can't fly with him. So the drive home from Texas yeah, was pure defeat. We didn't hardly speak. We were just, my husband and I were defeated. We came back feeling miserable. Two days later, he took that little spelling board on his own. He picked it up, brought it to me, and spelled goldfish. He wanted goldfish crackers. And it was just like, hallelujah. I'll take that beating every day of my life. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when. So the, the aggression decreased tremendous. So I was right. It was the frustration and mm-hmm. not being able to communicate. And yeah. that was a way for him to communicate. Like we had done pecs and all that and he just did not respond yeah. well to it. He, he didn't like it, it at all. Um, so, you know, the spelling helped a lot. And then years later, the aggression, I mean, it got, I don't share, I really don't share much. I do it in this forum because this is all us. This is all us autism community trying to help and also just say, "Hey, yeah, I've been there and yeah. guess what? We're going to be okay. You're yep. going to be okay. Your kid's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And even the unknowing of what, what is going to, where's he going to go after I die? Like even that, I, I just have such peace now it's going, it's, it really is going to be okay. Like I honestly believe, you know, God didn't get him this far just to get him this far. Like there is us, something. he didn't right. get us this far either. He's right. not going to leave us hanging. <clears throat> right, and I tell myself because you know I'm like nobody else can do nobody else can do this nobody else wow. can, you know and there's a, there's a little hint of arrogance to that like really who do I think I am that I'm a mama <laughs> that's who I am <laughs> <laughs> so but somebody else is going to do it you know yeah. it, it, and, and his aggression is going to decrease and. You know, it's just, we just have to have faith in that, but at the same time, never quit looking, like never quit working to help right. him on his side of it and never quit working to help others learn how to help him and learn how to accept him and see him for the good that he is. Because there, no one could ever convince me that any moment in his life, any bit of his aggression has been out of, I want to virtue. Mm-hmm. I don't believe for a minute that he has that in him and it's just that he wants to live in peace. He wants to have the, he wants to live in peace that, you know, I just can't begin to imagine how horrific that level of anxiety has to be. Sure. For them. Yeah. It has to be horrific. The rage um,
0: inside of them is probably so much more than they actually exhibit because yeah. I try to think about that sometimes, but I try not to uh, weigh myself down with it because it would make me so sad every day. But thinking right. of myself never speaking a word for in Skylar's case for 20 years, almost 21, never, ever have I said a thing. I've never said, I love you to anyone. I've never said what right. I like to eat. I mean, the foods we think he likes, he may absolutely despise and he's eating them anyway, because he's like, well, I got to right. eat. <laughs> so right. They're not going to figure it out. I mean, that that's just, it's hard to fathom never speaking to anyone it is. It is. and hearing your voice and all of that stuff. And you're right. And
1: David has always been such a pleaser. Like he wants to get it right. So desperately.
0: Yeah.
1: And so he'll do these things with teachers or therapists or me, whoever he'll do it over and over and over. And again, it's like Christ so bored. Some of them. Yeah. Is it helping him? Is it, it certainly isn't bringing him enjoyment, you know? And if it is helping him, then yeah, it's worth it. But if it isn't, why are we putting him through this? Mm-hmm. And, and to not really know. And again, because he's such a pleaser. Hey, I'll do this. I'll do this. You know, so when communication isn't clear with him, then he can't please. He can't do what he. So that's when he gets upset because I, what do you want from me? You know, it's like he's trying so hard to figure that out constantly. Right. And, and why is it always that? You know, for us as humans, sometimes it, sometimes it's what we want you know, and I feel like he lives his life. What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do today? What do you, you know, and it's just, it's just not nice is what it boils down to. Like we, we need to be very um, deliberate in making sure he gets to show us what he wants. You know, what, what does he want from us?
0: Well, so kind of along those lines. So if you, you were denied some of those other programs and it hit you that you're going to have to entertain him all day now that he doesn't have any programs to go to. Um, how have you handled that? And what have you done? Because I've talked to some other parents who have said their initial idea was, okay. And I, I thought the same thing when I've kind of jokingly blogged about, like I said, it's mom's school of hard knocks. Like we're gonna, I'm gonna keep this kid entertained for eight hours a day. And I'm gonna, we're gonna go here and we're gonna do this. And I kind of had these plans and it kind of goes back to what you just said. Like we're trying to entertain them and keep them fulfilled throughout the day with stuff that they may not want to do. Sky might just want to take two hours and watch Elmo's World. And right. I have to be okay with that. So how do you wrestle the balance between sitting around your house all day long, watching whatever it is that they like on TV and not fulfilling them, I guess, or right. overstimulating them and taking them into the community every hour to do something else so right. what, are, what do you guys do what's a typical day
1: that's the hardest thing well and with david it it, it is the moment he opens his eyes shoes socks shoes socks he'll say it over overnight like he wants to go the minute he opens his eyes so that's what we do like and i i'm a morning like i like to get up and be productive in the morning get my stuff done, and and so i've had to switch it so i get up we do his thing in the morning and Sadly, that's going to Goodwill and going to McDonald's. That's what he wants every day. And it's important to me to get him to do other things. So I'll usually squeeze in one more thing. Like we'll go to McDonald's. We'll go to Goodwill. Then we'll go to the library. Then we'll take a walk. Then we'll do something. You know, we do something that he doesn't necessarily hate, but he would never request um, just to get him doing something else. That's been the struggle David's whole life is finding anything to motivate him because right, too. He, he doesn't he doesn't appear to enjoy very many things like he likes to swing but even he's so big now he can't swing at the public parks because those swings squeeze his hips and yeah. they're not fun anymore so you know he likes to swing he likes to go goodwill buy movies but that's it and and he likes to ride around and side by side but he loves that he could do that all day every day so we try to incorporate that i've sent some lovely lovely friends across the road that have a farm and let us ride around the farm um but other than that you know it's just trying to find something creative you know lexington has a beautiful children's museum and exploratorium and last week i was determined that we were going to go there he would really like it once we got in there i could i could not get him in it he was no 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 like I don't know why, maybe, maybe there was something about the lighting or the smell or the sound or something that was painful for him. You know, I don't, I don't know what it was, but he, he would not go in there. And, you know, I struggle with that because a lot of times like, okay, is this me, just me wanting him to have different things? Or is that really enough enjoyment for him? Like, I think that he should, I do have him have a job one day. We, we fill the bags, you know, one of my church, Partners with one of the elementary schools. So we fill the, the backpack program, you know, for the kids that don't have food on the weekends. And that's nice. become David's job. So once a week, we have to go to Walmart and we buy everything on the list. That's good. Go the church and we fill the bags. Now, there are some days he sits there and waits for me to fill the bags, even though <laughs> it's his job, which, you know, somebody walking by looking in, or, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, right, David's filling the bags. Well, that day he isn't. But He did learn to just sit quietly and wait for me for an hour. That's a huge accomplishment. It's great skill. Yes. So, you know, he's learning some skills like that. And, but also to him, I think it's just busy work filling these bags. I don't think he understands that these kids don't actually have food and that he's actually helping these kids by doing this. But if we can get that to click and he can feel like he has purpose, I think that would be huge. Yeah. Um, How are you?
0: handling, and I never want to sound like I'm selfish when I say these things, but I'm just trying to think of things that maybe other parents are thinking that I know I am. I worry about my own fulfillment. Like I I focus so much on Skylar and like the day-to-day and what we're going to do. And I'm trying to plan all that out and taking him here and there and all of that. But, um, there's things I like to do in a day too. And I, I I don't want to lose complete identity of who I am and myself from 6 30 AM to 6 30 PM when he wakes up and goes to bed. And like, I mean, I've already lived 20 years of Elmo's world always. (laughs) I mean, even if he leaves to go run an errand with Josh and it's on the TV, I'm like, and I just leave it on. I'm not even thinking about it. And I'm just humming along or whatever. I'm like, Lori, you don't have to watch this. He's not here. You can turn it or whatever. But I just, I just, that's my biggest thing is I want to be here for him. And I don't want to like send him to a program just to get him away from me. That's not at all what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. but it'd be nice to have like even a program that's two days a week or three days a week, just to give me, even if it's four hours or two hours that he goes with a respite peer and goes into the community and does something with them. I mean, I think that's back to just the need for respite because we don't get any. And I think that's my fear because we don't have any respite now. And when I really need it, when I'm on the clock 24 seven with him, what, what is that going to do to my mental state? Because I love him. I just, but I don't, I don't want to be around him 24 seven. And he does not want to be around me. I know he doesn't. And I worry his aggression and behaviors may pick up because he's like, mom, I'm so irritated with you. I just think Kendall got to go to college. Kendall got to leave right. and he's
1: stuck here for another mm-hmm. 20 years or whatever. Yes. I don't know.
0: So does yeah, that make sense? That's
1: so difficult. Yeah, it is. And there, I mean, if I'm honest, there are many, many, many days and weeks that go by that. I am nothing but David's mom. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, because he, he sleeps four or five hours a night. Like he, the, and from the minute he gets up until the minute he goes to sleep, it's me. Like now, after we do our running, good goodwill, and all that, he, we will come home and for you know an hour or so, a couple hours he will go through the movies that he bought. So he'll watch the, the previews or whatever the movies he got, and that gives me a little time to you know do some laundry or clean the kitchen. Right. That's yeah. It's not, basic. it's not even fun things. Me. It's just basics. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean. I really, that's a huge struggle of mine, huge, because like I have a friend um, that we will go for a hike at six o'clock in the morning because, you know, I can sneak out before David gets out of bed and then of course when he wakes up, he'll wait for me. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, my husband can say, mommy will be home and then she'll take you. And he's fine with that as long Mm -hmm. as he knows he's going to get to go. He'll, you know, he'll hang out for a little while and wait for me. but, But again, you know, that's like, it's like, Oh, I got to hurry up so I can get back to David. And you know, that right now that's just my life. There, there's no, there needs to, be I need to have much more balance than I do have. And my husband is wonderful about helping and doing things with David, but, but I am David's person. So it's, you know, I'm constantly in my head. Okay. Is doing whatever this thing is that I want to do. Is it worth it to cause the anxiety for David to, to do it? And usually the only time my answer to that question is yes, is if it's something with my other kids or my family, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go to visit my parents for a day without him. Um, because you know, those relationships are super important to me right. too. They are. So, mm-hmm. um, and with my other kids now being adults, um, you know, it's not, again, it's not that I don't want to take David with me. I, you know, I took my daughter and I, um, went to the zoo and the Reds games the other night, which I love doing both of those things. I would love nothing more than have David with me, but he won't do those things. You you know, he, he won't do them. So he would be miserable and then we would be miserable.
0: right? Nobody
1: would have had a good day. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very difficult. I mean, the key is finding respite, finding someone who is going, which, and actually I just found someone just this week, she started with him 10 hours a week. And I think she's going to be amazing. I think she's going to do a really, really good job with him. And um, when I left this morning, I told him I was going to work and that she was coming to get him and he was giggling. And, and I was just like, yes, he wants something different too. Like he thinks all he wants is me,
0: but that's because that's really
1: all he has. Right. Is she close in age to him or is she, older no she's probably well she's probably halfway between me and him so she you know she's probably thirties. That's the 40s.
0: ideal age. I filled out a form the other day and it was like twenty five to thirty or thirty to forty kind of I feel like because everyone's like go post on the college boards and stuff. I'm like, no for one they're they don't they're not in it yet. Like I mean they're in school and like but they I don't think they realize that Skyler's a lot of work for one. For two, they're not going to be around long. So we can't really get, I don't want him to develop a relationship with someone who's only here for the semester or is going to get married and have kids and like they all do and they move on, which I, that's fine. I don't (laughs) judge them for that. That's their life. But Mm -hmm. I feel like somebody who's in that age range has a better idea. Plus with the toileting, there's dignity involved in that. And I don't want someone that is a adorable little girl that's 20, you know, four to 25 years old, changing his pull-ups i mean god how horrible for skylar especially if he has a crush on him like he always does um yeah. you know that's just that's it's not ideal yeah. i would prefer a that's male. what i've had
1: people yeah i've had people say to me before well can't your daughters i'm like no come on
0: would you want yeah. to change your brother's pull-ups or yes. shower your brother no, no they like, wouldn't
1: want it and he wouldn't want it no would, there's no way he'd flip out if one yeah. of them tried to change it like <laughs> they don't want that and, yeah and it's not it's not their responsibility. I mean, right. it's just not. And you know, they I the siblings, we need to do something amazing for the siblings of our kids because they are amazing. They, they are. sacrifice so much. Again, with my kids being so close together, they didn't even realize it the first part of their lives how much they were sacrificing. But, you know, family vacations, family, family anything. We didn't do, you know, none of yeah. that. There's no big family gatherings and or any. You know we just didn't do those things when and we try
0: it's often traumatizing for them because it exactly, just doesn't go well yes. sometimes
1: oh my goodness one time we took my son and his friend kayaking we were at a big park in lexington where, where you can kayak so they were going to kayak and david loves the park so and they had one of the, they had one of those splash pads which he loves so i knew i was confident i could keep him entertained for an hour and a half or so while they were out on the lake and we were the splash pad swinging everything was great then David rubbed his eye and got um, sunscreen in his eye and mm-hmm. it was horrible. Oh, he was so upset and it's mom fix it. You know, you're, you're the one that fixes everything, fix this. And of course I couldn't. And the more he rubbed, the more it hurt. And he was hip punching me and oh no! <laughs> this little tiny old lady came up to me and came up to us and looks at him and says, you should not hit your mother. And I, she better back I, said, up. <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, we'll be fine. We'll just please back away because I didn't want him to take her out. And he was at that place he would have for telling her what to do because he doesn't want to hurt me. I mean, he adores me. Yeah. It wasn't that, you know. So, but then, so then my poor son is out there with his friend, and my daughters are just sitting there in the shade waiting for me to get David back in the car and get my son back in from the lake because we had to get out of there before David got a little old lady, you know. and you know, it was just terrible. It's like, it was going to be this beautiful, perfect, easy day. And instead we had to listen to David yelling the whole hour we home. My kids couldn't even, my son couldn't even talk to his friend because David was yelling. So, I mean, it was just a terrible day that would have been just a day to any other family,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: And yeah. it was just so unfortunate because it could have been great if it weren't for the stupid s- sunscreen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dang sunscreen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so well- we should we should just call it the sunburn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been worse. Um yeah. <laughs> so I I want to I definitely don't want to get away from our conversation uh, without mentioning the learning curve of Kentucky. So I am it's all in on this. I just think this is such a beautiful idea that you've had. I love your mission statement. I want you to share with everyone exactly what um this opportunity is that you're you're, um bringing to the area and um you have an event coming up. Um, when this airs, it'll be the end of the month. It's the 23rd of September, correct? Is the event? Yes. <laughs> yeah, is the event date. And yeah. um, you have incredible speakers,
1: me included.
0: Um yes, but- but Temple Grandin is coming. So tell us a little bit about the Learning Curve of Kentucky, and then about the upcoming um, event that you have.
1: Okay. So my business is called Learning Curve of Kentucky. Our mission is to provide individuals of all abilities with the support, training, encouragement, and opportunities they need to have fulfilling careers, hobbies, and social activities. And I specifically put that because it's not booked rehab. Like if if whatever they end up doing leads to a career, great, but if it just leads to a hobby and some time with some peers, that's great too. Like I'm all about that because again, we, there, there aren't opportunities like that. So it's, so my son was diagnosed, you know, 22 years ago. I've followed Temple Grandin since then. I've read most of her books, and I just adore her. I think she's brilliant. Um, well, so my friend across the street uh, is starting a cattle business, and she um, mentioned to me one day that there just weren't many women. You know, every, everything she's going to is all men. There just aren't women in the cattle fields. And I asked her if she had heard of Temple, and she hadn't. So she, she got her books and started reading the, ag, you know, the agriculture books that Temple had written. And, um, of course, was hooked because she's even more brilliant as far as that goes, I think, in yeah. autism stuff. But uh, so she, uh, so this is Two Sisters Pumpkin Patch, and shout out to Morgan White Cattle, that's who this is. And she uh, she started, you know, was all on board with all of Temple's things, and then she was going to a cattle seminar thing in Missouri. And she said to me, I know you're not really a cattle person, but Temple's going to be there. Do you want to go? And I said, yeah, of course, yes, I want to go. Um, so she told me just like a, not long before the event and I immediately jumped in. Yes, I'm going to go. And then when I got to thinking about it, you know, that mom guilt kicks in. No, I'm not going to do it. I've, I've gone through all the pros and cons and the only pro is I just want to see Temple. Like There's no, there's really no reason for me to go to this cattle thing. She messaged me this the Sunday, I would have had to leave on that Monday, the Sunday before that she left her boots and her bibs in the barn. Would I pick them up since she was flying? Would I just drive them? So I said to my husband, well, you know, I didn't. Now you're obligated. Cancel, so <laughs> I have to go. I have to bring her bibs and stuff to her. So I did. And I listened to Temple's newest book called Visual Thinkers, which is mm-hmm. phenomenal. You all need to read it. Or I can't read her books because it's a lot like reading a textbook. But listening to them, I love. I, I can listen to them all day long and really absorb the information. That's just my learning style. But anyhow, the Visual Thinker's book is fantastic. Um, so as I'm listening to that, the first part of the book is describing this business idea I've had in my head for years, probably about six years. I've been dreaming about this business, and but I had never said it out loud to anyone. So we go to this cattle event and I get to meet her. I get to have dinner with her twice. I mean, it was I've seen her. Many, many times at autism conferences, many, but they're huge. They had thousands of people, and so this was a small crowd, about eighty people. So we got a lot of time to actually speak with her, and it was phenomenal. I I got to talk to her, and just I just blurted out this business idea to her, and she said, "You have to do it. You have to do this. It is so needed." Because I mentioned to her that we could have like you know woodworking things where they could learn that, they could learn gardening or working with horses or, um, you know, drawing, make, you know, building anything, anything they want. We just have to find those interests and help them learn them and have them a, a venue where they can do those things. And she said, you have to do it. We need it so badly. You have to do it. So I said, great. Well, then the next morning she came up to me and she had told me some specific things to try, some specific exercises to try with David. And she said, put my number in your phone so you can text me and let me know how these exercises go with them. So I did that. And that was in November. And then January, I texted her, these exercises are great. Like David's focus and attention is so much better. He's just calmer since we're doing these exercises. And I set my phone down and immediately rings. I look at it. It says Temple Grandin. I about flipped and she's, (laughs) I answered and she said, that's great. I'm glad to hear those exercises are working. Now let's talk about this business. I want to come to the grand opening. And I was like, uh, okay you know what dates do you have and she said September 23rd so I said perfect Cool. Well, that's when we'll do it September 23rd but she does understand how special her brain is and she is on a mission to share her knowledge with as many people as possible while she still can she said soon very soon she probably will not do in-person conferences anymore mm-hmm. she's going to go to almost all zoom meetings um, so we're just so blessed and thrilled to have her. So by the way, I don't know if I said and all that. So she is coming. She's the keynote keynote speaker of my autism conference on September 23rd. And there will be opportunity there for people that have specific questions about their kid mm-hmm. or themselves, if they're on the spectrum and she, she will listen and she will talk and she'll do book signings and she's phenomenal. Like I could not be more thrilled that she's coming. And then also we're also having her a couple of days earlier for some ag Ag events. So if anybody wants to contact me for that too, there's a couple in Lexington, a couple in Mount Sterling. um You know, I'll be happy to share that too. But since this is mostly an autism crowd, um, that autism conference is Saturday, September 23rd in Mount Sterling, and there are still some tickets available. And uh, now, as we're recording this, um, and so it's just Temple. Grandin, it's Temple Grandin, and then of course, Lori Hellman, who's amazing, <laughs> and be fantastic. No pressure. <laughs> <And> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Kristen Dawson. Uh, she was at UK and then she was co-founder of Wild Health in Lexington. Well, it's really all over Kentucky now. And now she's started um, uh, a new company called Wild Minds. And she talks about a lot of holistic uh, things that help people on the spectrum. She's phenomenal also. And then the fourth speaker is, um, Aaron Mutterick, who is, um, he is the creator of Crazy Aaron's Thinking Putty. He was an engineer and he thought, he felt like he thought better and could plan better when he was like playing with Silly Putty as he worked. And he said people kept stealing his Silly Putty. So he thought maybe other people like to fiddle with Putty when they think. And he quit his engineer job and started this company. And he exclusively hired people on the autism spectrum to help him design the Putty. And now... He is a worldwide company. He's in 11 different countries and his company, it's a requirement of his company worldwide that at least 50% of their employees have some sort of disability. And I love his message Mm -hmm. because his message is um, it's not charity. It's not charity. Oh, give these poor people a job. It's that they really have something to offer. They they are Mm -hmm. going to help your company and um, give them a chance. You know, they may not interview great, but they're going to work. They're going to do what is asked of them and they're going to do it well. Right. So more companies need to step it up and give people with disabilities a chance to have an actual job that they can make a real living on because they're capable. So he, he has a beautiful message. It's going to be a beautiful event. The speakers are all fantastic. The ven- There's also a large vendor hall that will have 30. I have 30 right now. There may be more by then uh, companies that offer either a service or a product to help people with, um, you know, that are on the autism spectrum. Our friend, Louis Pryor from Media Toys mm-hmm. will be there. He's phenomenal. His toys are amazing. So I'm so happy we to showcase them there. Yep, um, It's just gonna be a great event. I cannot wait, I'm so excited. I can't either. So do you have an anticipated um,
0: opening date of the Learning Curve of Kentucky for, for taking on, you know, new clients and? clients?
1: no i i'm talking about like of course the dream is to have the property where i have all of it there i have a greenhouse and the woodworking equipment and Mm -hmm. and farm everything there now of course that's going to have to be happen gradually i can't snap my fingers and make that happen so until then i would like to start in january uh you know seeing clients and just taking them out and or, or coming to their home whichever and find again helping them find something they're interested in. And then obviously I don't know how to do all those things. So like if it's music or it's woodworking or whatever, I will, I will hire or take volunteers from the community to help teach them. And then you know really I really would love to partner with businesses and say, you know, look, these people have these skills. And again, this is not just autism. This is any any limiting ability, any anything that is limiting anyone for whatever reason. If we can figure out a way around that to find another place where they can fit or another activity that they can do and enjoy and feel fulfilled, that's, what, that's our goal. That's what we want. We want people to feel fulfilled. And um, so I, I think it's going to be great. I couldn't be more thrilled that Temple Grandin jumped on board and encouraged me to do it because you know, the beauty of her and a lot of other people on the spectrum is they're not, they're not saying anything to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she definitely not. Idea, she no, has no, no filter. She, <laughs> no, oh she does not. If she thought it was a terrible idea. she, she would tell it would, you. And I saw that, that telephone, I saw her at one of the things they had, she thought was a terrible idea and she totally just announced it. Like, yeah. That's terrible. You have to fix that. But again, she does it in such a beautiful way. Yeah. It's not critical and judgmental. It's, we're going to make this good. Like, yeah. this is what you think. Do to fix this. It's and crazy it's how
0: much time she is willing to devote to people she doesn't even know. I mean, she was on my podcast yes. and um she endorsed my book and she gave me all her feedback and she gave me some suggestions about Skylar. And I'm like, I open the arm, you know, open arms took it all because I'm like, who better than her? Like, she lives right. this life exactly. just because her yes. spectrum is different than Skylar's. She still can relate to autism in general and what he might be thinking. She's a better
1: translator than I
0: am
1: (laughs) of what he wants. She's so genuine. I mean, and she, uh, so she said told me that when the movie about her life came out, that her speaking engagements and her income went through the roof and she said, but I don't need money. I don't need any more money. So every, every bit of money she makes from her speaking engagements, she has paid for kids to go to school at Colorado state university. Yeah all the way through PhD. Like she's paid for doctorates for students. And when she, she's part-time now, but when she was full-time staff, the students that were assigned to her for their research projects, she, she 100% funded those research projects with her money from speaking fees. Yeah, Like she just gives and gives and gives and it's beautiful. It's an absolutely remarkable, beautiful thing to see.
0: Well, thank you for doing what you're doing because I mean, Sadly or not, I guess I shouldn't say it sadly, but it just seems like these really cool ideas and voids that are being filled are by parents with special needs children. I can <laughs> think of, you know, handfuls of companies and respite programs and um, housing and just all kinds of things we keep saying well, there isn't a day program. There isn't anywhere for them to go. There isn't anywhere for them to have job shadowing or learn a skill or, you know, broaden their interests and all these things. And so you, like many other amazing parents are building it and designing it and giving hope to a lot of other families still coming up so that hopefully when more kids are aging out of services, they're going to have places like the Learning Curve of Kentucky to go to and this may be modeled in other states after you knock it out of the park with this one. You know, I that'd mean, that'd be great. Yeah. We just have to put our heads together and figure this out right. and do for ourselves because we can't wait around another decade for somebody to, to solve these problems because nobody is putting this at the forefront of their focus in right. any Congress acts or anything like that. I mean, we are on our own. So, as parents of special needs kids do, we bond together and we figure it out and we support each other. So I will link up, um, the information about the, uh, event on September 23rd and where you can purchase tickets. And if you guys can make it, and if you live in and around the Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio area, and can make it to that event, I highly, highly encourage you to, it's going to be like no other. I am so excited to meet Temple in person and to meet Aaron and Dr. Kristen and all the other people that are there, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah it's going to be
1: great. And we do have people, I people have purchased tickets from West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania, even Virginia. One's coming from Virginia Beach. I mean, uh, people yeah. are coming quite a distance to this conference, and it's super exciting. It's
0: gonna be big, it's estimated you know, three to 500 people. We're already at yeah. two plus, it's 200 plus, mm-hmm. so um. Yeah. Don't miss out. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Um, you know, I, I'm so glad we're friends and I, um, I follow along with David's journey and, you know, you're just kind of getting started in this aging out process and with all the things that you're doing, but, um, you've given some really valuable information and insight. And I, I know it's helpful to a lot of people listening. And, um, you know, if you're, 10 years away, even just stock this information away. That's the whole point. Re-listen to these in a couple of years. If you, yes. <laughs> if, you if it's not resonating with you now, it, it will, we just, we can't afford to sit around and wait until 18, 20, 21 comes because, right. you know, it's better to get on a bunch of lists as soon as you can and then kind of figure out if it's for you or not versus waiting until you have no other options. And then you have exactly. to wait another three to five years for something to open. So,
1: and think of the, the instant rate of autism is, is through the roof. Yeah. I think, what is it? One in 33 now or yeah,
0: something it's, it's in the 30s. So,
1: so we are on our own. Yes. But look how huge we are. Yeah. We, as a group of parents, if we all get together, we can change their world without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, we can do that. So we just, it's time, it's time to do it. It's
0: time to do it. Well, thanks so much, Karen. (laughs) I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for speaking at my event. I can't wait. (laughs) I can't
0: wait either. (laughs) Take care. Have a good rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and will tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.